0: podcast land, you have something out once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, episode 162. My guest a little bit later on, going 10 rounds of Rhino, 6-0, and 0, Bellator featherweight out of SBG Ireland, Kieran Clark. Oh my gosh, it is such a fun one. He is such a cool dude. I keep waiting if you guys to check that one out a little bit later. So, APB, our intro and our schedule is as follows. This episode of CFSWR is going to have our full breakdown of last night's massive UFC 284 pay-per-view. Our drop of the night. Picks for next week's UFC Vegas 69. Some Q&A with some members of the Rhino Gang. And then the aforementioned Bellator, Featherweight, Kieran Clark undefeated. Probably the longest and most extensive amateur background before going pro I think I've ever seen. And it's amazing. He is such an cr- incredible fighter. Really, really cool guy. can't wait for everybody to check that out. So, without any further ado. Let's get our swim trucks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. So last night's UFC 284 from Perth, Australia. Our very first fight was at the featherweight division. We had Zubaria Tukagov versus Elves Brenner. Now, this one, it was an okay fight. Um, I, thought, I thought Zubaria did a much better job landing those left hooks. He did a great job when he was pressing forward. Um, Elves had a good shot that landed uh, on his forehead that cut him open. But basically, I thought Tuka off, really won the fight uh, going away. And somehow, someway, Elvis Brenner got the split decision in that one. Everybody like across the board was like, that was a bullshit decision, and it was. So uh, Brenner gets the split decision on that one at 145 pounds. Moving on to our first Rhino Gang fighter of the night. We're staying at 145 pounds, by the way. Blake, El- Animal builder versus Shane Young. Um, Blake stayed outside. He stayed on his bike early. Then he had a really beautiful double leg takedown. Uh, the rest of the fight was really Shane was kind of laying back and like kind of pot shotting and Blake was landing more combinations. He was going to the body, into the head. Very, very clear cut um, unanimous decision for Blake Builder. And that one over Shane Young. So, right on gang, 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 to Blake Builder. All right. Moving into our third fight. And oh, man, I talked about this last night in the group chat. I love Tatiana Suarez. She's my favorite 115 pound fighter. But. If you're gonna go right one tier below for my favorite 115ers, Loma Luke Boomi is right there, and she's going up against Elise Reed. And Elise Reed is kind of, you know, throwing her from outside taekwondo kicks, and Loma Luke Boomy is hitting her with these thunderous leg kicks in return. It, it opened up, not opened up, but it had a huge welt on Elise Reed's leg. Um, you know, they get tangled up in the first round from the clinch. Uh, you know, Loma takes her down, but then Elise immediately reverses and kind of rode her out most of the, the latter part of the first round. And then the very beginning of the second, Loma Lukbumi, boom, takes her down, gets on her back, slaps on the rear <laughs> naked choke, and fucking taps out Elise Reed. So Loma is no longer just a Muay Thai practitioner. She is showing the uh, improvement in her jiu-jitsu game, which was so awesome. So, yes, big win for Loma Lukbumi at 115 pounds. Moving back into 145. Holy smokes, I guess I didn't realize how many featherweight points <laughs> I her on the card last night. So we had Jack Jenkins versus Don uh, Shanus. Uh, Don Shanus out of the um, northeast region of the United States versus the hometown guy, Jack Jenkins. Great takedown defense for Jack Jenkins. He, you know, he was able to shuck off and stuff every takedown from Don. Slick combinations, really hard leg kicks. Don showed a lot of toughness. I mean, he was able to reverse a couple of Jack Jenkins takedowns, but Jack was in control the entirety of the fight. So he got the UD over Don Shannis in that one. Moving into one of my favorite names, and one of our favorite names in the group chat, <laughs> Jamie Malarkey versus Francisco Prado. Jamie Malarkey had a really strong double leg takedown early, some nice top control and ground and pound. is um, really young. He's only 20 years old out of Argentina. He, he was really getting close with that front kick. I mean, it really only missed by an inch or so a couple times. But... Jamie Malarkey showed experience. Another couple of big slam takedowns. Um, Prado tried a Kimura reversal; it didn't work. Malarkey got the very clear cut unanimous decision in that one for our fifth fight, which was at 155 pounds. Moving into our next fight, we had oh, this one hurt the old Rhino. We had our guy Shannon Ross, <laughs> making, you know, making his UFC debut of coming off his beautiful contender series fight, fighting Cledson Rodriguez. Just a blitz of offense from Cledson right away. Um landing some punches case. He had like a spinning butt to the head maneuver of some sort. I think he was trying a spinning back fist, but or a spinning back kick, but it didn't work. But uh yeah, he really poured it on Shannon, got him out of there and just a minute into the first round. So I hope they give Shannon one more chance at a dude. I love that. Yeah. Game.
1: I hope so too. Did you know in his fight before that he fought with a ruptured appendix and didn't know it till like the next day and he had to go to the hospital and be in there for a while?
0: Yeah, he had like blood poisoning from it happening. Yeah,
1: Septicemia, oh. yeah.
0: Or well, of course, you know, that scientists. of course, course. <laughs> <But> yeah, <laughs> Ben and Ross is such a wonderful guy and he's a really good fighter. And I really hope he gets another shot at it. I hope uh, so too. 125, but yeah, Clay, Clayton is a, is a tough motherfucker. And we'll, he, he's going to make some noise at 125 for sure. All right. Going back to 145 pounds, we had Melsic Begdasarian versus Joshua Kulibau. Uh, Begdasarian, longtime champion kickboxer, Looked really good early. Some really hard, gnarly body kicks. Um, he busted Koulibau's nose with a hook. Then it was a low blow break for a while from a pretty nasty nut shot. There's a lot of nut shots last night, APB. Yeah. <laughs> that was really, the, yeah. Um, Belsic slipped uh, slipped off of a kick. Josh jumped on him right away. Took his back in like two seconds. Got the rear naked choke slapped in and out. So rear naked choke win for Josh Koul- Joshua Koulibau over Melsic Bagdasarian. Um, in that one, so yeah, big win for him. I thought I think if they fought again, I think Melsik would win probably. I think he looked better, but Josh took advantage of the situation and did a great job getting the finish. All right, moving into two hundred five pounds. Ugh, this one was not the most fun fight to watch. Tyson Pedro, who I think is usually explosive and fun to watch and awesome, and Modestus Bukowskis, who's coming off that last time we saw him in the UFC, he took that terrible hyperextended knee um, oblique kicker, you know from uh, oh gosh. Oh, shoot. I'm skipping on his name. Um, everybody else will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Khalil Roundtree. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Brain. Uh, Khalil Roundtree gave him that horrible fucking kick and hyperextended his knee terrible. And then he took some time off to heal up, obviously. Had a bunch of fights for Cage Warriors to kind of get himself back ready for the UFC. Took this fight on late notice. <laughs> to me, this was, um, this was both guys were kind of afraid of, of the other guy's power, so there was a lot of grinding against the cage. There would be a couple punches thrown, and then immediately Tyson would push Modestus up against the cage. Modestus would land a few knees, maybe reverse it. <clears throat> Again, not the most exciting fight in the world. Um, Modestus Bukowski's did more, had more action, had more accuracy, landed more shit, and then he deserved the decision which he got. So Modestus Bukowski's gets the UD over Tyson paid £205. Staying at 205 pounds. Standing at 205 pounds, and the opposite of boring happened we had alonzo menifield versus give me the crew give me the crew and fucking alonzo menifield comes out and jimmy crew takes them down immediately i'm like holy shit alonzo got back up then he got taken back down then he got back up and then holy shit he started unloading on jimmy crew dude At the end of that first round it was awesome it was so fun the second round the left hand drops jimmy crew jimmy thankfully holds on uh, Thankfully for him. <laughs> Holds on, does some clinch work and then another left right combination drop Jimmy again and I'm fucking over here screaming at the screen. Like, oh my god, I'm like crazy. But Jimmy Drew, like a fucking savage, would not accept defeat. Grabs fucking um, Alonzo pushes him up against the cage. And then fucking Alonzo Menafield is up against the cage. He looks like he's gonna get taken down. He grabs the fence. Mark Goddard immediately takes a point, dude. It's like, oh no. That was I thought that was shitty. There should have been a warning. It should have yeah. been a warning first. Alonzo Manifield got a point taken away. <clears throat> Crew then later gets a takedown. Again, that point deduction ended up being so huge because Jimmy Crew dominated the third. So he got a 10-8, which means with the point deduction, even though Alonzo won the first two rounds, what do we get? We get ourselves a majority draw. So Alonzo Menafield really won that fight to me. Um, but they're going to have to, it's going to end up going in the books as a draw. So maybe we'll see them running back again down the road. I don't know. But yeah, Alonzo Metafield just proves once again, what a fucking incredible striker he is, how strong he is. And then Jimmy Crute, man, showed a whole new level of toughness, which is awesome. Yeah. So another, uh, another fucking hurts me to fucking talk about a little bit is my man, Parker Porter, Rhino gang versus Justin Taffa. And like. Parker Porter, man, he 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 had one beautiful combination, ABB. It was clean. It was like a one-two-one. One, um, he's moving forward. And then Justin Taffa just shut the lights off with that incredible straight left hand, put Parker down and out. Parker complained. I don't know why. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I maybe just in the moment. He
1: complained but, while he's laying there on his back. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> like, it could barely get up, and, like, it was fucked up. Parker Porter is a wonderful guy, great fighter, and uh, Justin Toffa just hit him with a crushing, beautiful shot right on the chin that will put anybody down, and I mean anybody, so wow. Big ups to Justin Toffa, but we still ride with our guy Parker Porter uh, at heavyweight. All right, moving into 170 with Randy Brown versus Jack Della Maddalena. I had picked, all full disclosure, I picked Randy Brown to win this fight, and here's why. Randy Brown is a super tall guy for the division. He uses his reach usually very well. Front kicks, jabs, Stays on the outside. He's a good striker now. He's got a huge upside. I've always been a big fan of Randy Brown. I like Jack Della Maddalena as well. I just thought the size was going to be too much. And early on, it looked that way. Randy Brown was staying on the outside. He had a fucking, if you watch the replay of the first round, he had an open hand slap that landed on Jack Della Maddalena's face like bad. Um, a couple of front kicks. Randy Brown was looking really good early, keeping that distance. And then Jack Madalena, Maddalena, JDM for sure comes fucking storming forwards, <laughs> throws a crushing right hook. I mean, it made Randy Brown face plant onto the fucking canvas. Jack starts throwing these hammer fists, and he's hitting some, and he's missing some, but he's going real hard at it. <clears throat> Randy Brown switches over to, to belly down. Jack jumps on his back, slaps in the RNC, taps him out in the first round. The place goes fucking bonkers. It was awesome. It was crazy. Great win for Jack Delamatta later. The, his best win of uh, his UFC career for sure. Uh, Randy Brown again. I'm really high on him. I think he's a really good fighter. He just we just haven't seen his full potential yet. So we'll see what happens uh, with them down the road. Moving into our co-main event, which was again at 145 pounds, <laughs> we had our interim <laughs> title on the line. Josh Emmett versus Yair Rodriguez. Yair started off real strong, dude. He was he was just well, he's such a dynamic striker. APB like I know. the spin the punches, the kicks, that come from weird angles they are so fast, you doesn't telegraph them just was really beating up Josh And then Josh got the takedown, landed some pretty good ground and pound there uh, towards the first end of the first round, he was, he was looking like he was maybe stemming the tide a little bit no, no he wasn't <laughs> those body kicks started happening for Yair, a damaging elbow, <clears throat> dude that fucking flying knee was crazy, Yair
1: was on fire he was, he was great last good. night
0: good um, that flying knee again—it it just ended up being weird. It didn't land, but it was awesome. Um, they, you know, they go back down to the ground. Yair yeah, was really amazing from the bottom. He was landing hard mm-hmm. elbows and and shots from the bottom, which you don't often see. And I always revert back to the first time I saw real damaging shots from bottom um, was Diego Sanchez and Clay Guida from a long time ago, like a decade <laughs> ago. Dude. And like clay had taken Diego down and Diego was landing super gnarly hard elbows from the bottom. And that's kind of what made me think of that last night. Cause Yair was actually damaging him bad from yeah. the bottom with the elbows and really coming at, uh, with hard shots from a, from a very disadvantageous position. And then before, you know, it, he fucking throws up those legs slaps on the triangle. Fucking. Oh my God. Taps Josh out. Second round. Beautiful performance from Yair Rodriguez. He's he's better than he's ever been. I mean, yeah. you gotta, this kid came this kid came into the UFC with a lot of hype. He 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 lived up to it for a while. Had a few slips, but dude, this guy is firing on all cylinders right now. We have a great question about him later on. So that leads us into our main event, and possibly wow. you know, it, seems like, it seems like about once every year or two, a fight comes along and you think it's going to be really good, and then it ends up being. Phenomenal. <laughs> okay. Like the Islam Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky fight from last night lived up to and exceeded, I mean, even the loftiest of expectations. It could be fight of the year contender, already oh, 100%, 100%. Not just for what happened in the cage with the actual fighting, which should deserve as well, but look at the magnitude of it. You know what I mean? We're yeah. looking at the, positive, the pound for pound, probably number one and two guys, <clears throat> or at least both of them in the top three or four, without question. Um, and then you have a guy moving up, who's the 45 champion, moving up to 55 to face the 55 champion, both of them uh, is such incredible athletes, such incredible fighters in their own different ways. Um, so yeah, basically in the first round and again, this one blew Twitter the fuck up because everyone was, had a major opinion on it. And we'll get into that in a minute, but (laughs) I was down the rounds really quickly. The first round, it kind of a feeling out process early, a couple of exchanges, uh, Islam seemed to hurt Alex a little bit. They got the takedown, uh, took his back. Nothing really major from that. Um, in the second, there was more striking exchanges uh, in the second, and I thought Islam, at one point, he got, you know he knocked Alex, you know dizzy for a second. Uh, I thought he definitely won the second round there as well. Moving into the third, I thought Volk was the one who was in control. He was outlanding Islam. He was landing crisper, cleaner shots. He even tried a couple of takedowns of his own, but did some grinding against the cage. For me, the third round was for sure Alexander Volkanovsky's. In the fourth, Islam got the takedown, had lots of control. There's no debate that Islam won win the won the fourth round. And then in the fifth, Volk fucking brought the fucking thunder. <laughs>
1: yeah, he did.
0: Punch, punch, kick, punch, fucking move forward. I mean, it just he was so impressive to see what he can do against a guy who was, looked like he was a foot taller than him. Yeah, was,
1: Makachev was fading, too. Like, if there would have been any more rounds, Volk would have gotten him, for
0: sure. 100%, 100% App. That's a great point you just brought up. But Volk was do, I mean, dominant in the yeah. fifth. The punches, the kick, the late take. I mean, like, unbelievable performance from Volkanovsky in the fifth round. Unfortunately... When it comes down to it, if you break it down the way the structure is for the scoring system, it's round by round. It's not the you know the entirety of the fight. <clears throat> to me was to me again just to me and to a lot of people on press row. It looked like I found out today was Islam Makachev won rounds one, two, and four. Alexander Volkanovsky three and five. You're absolutely right. Islam was fading and he took a lot of shots and he looked more damaged than he's ever looked. Yeah, Volkanovski. I think could have gone another five rounds. Right? I, oh, yeah. I don't think Makachev could have.
1: No, he couldn't have gone one more round. He barely you know, made it through the fifth. He was he kind of got lucky there that volt didn't catch him with something
0: because he was fainting. Yeah, at the end of the day, you're 100% right, but at the end of the day, three yeah. rounds, Islam Makhachev wins by decision over Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, Twitter exploded afterwards, and I think a big part of it is who you like better, just as a as a person, as a fighter? There's a lot of people who just like Alexander. Because how do you not like Alexander? <laughs> you know what I
1: mean? Oh, he's so funny, and he was talking to him the whole time in there, and I just wanted to know what he was saying. I wish that they were mic, because you know he was saying like, yeah, you you do a good Australian accent. So say, pretend like you're Volkanovsky and and talk to Makachev like you're in the fight, and say something like, oh, you're not hurting me. do, do your impression.
0: Oh, you think you're winning this fight? You ain't winning this fight. I'm Australian. I'll turn over my shoulder and punch you square in the nose, Islam. You got nothing for me on the ground. I'm a great.
1: <laughs> yes, perfect. You know, he was saying stuff like that. Like, oh, like, oh your mom your mom chokes ho- harder than that. <laughs> like that.
0: I certainly know it would have been funny and witty and what a – what a fight. I mean, we all should just really, instead of fighting with each other about who we like more or who we think what, there was no robbery there. I mean, that's, that's insane. No, no. That's raw nerve talk. You know what I mean? That's someone who really wanted Volk to win, thought Volk won, and Volk didn't win, so they...
1: No, he didn't win. I knew he didn't win, but he did, he did win, like, <coughs> yeah. in my heart, you know?
0: The, the, a lot of the Twitter response is just a raw nerve spewing of how, being upset um, that their guy didn't win. So they're saying it's a robbery, it's a robbery. It was not a robbery. It was very clear. If you watch it again with kind of a more even keel, cool head about it, you'll see it was for sure three rounds to two. I mean, from, you know, from a, from a neutral perspective. So again, we all won last night. Volk won. Islam won. We the fans won. The UFC won. Australia won. I mean, what a fucking night. What a, what a, what a way to cap off what was a really good card and a really good fucking, um, as a fan, a really good fucking fight night to watch. So, awesome, awesome stuff for everybody involved in 284. Wow, what a fight, what a night. Okay, so the train keeps on and rolling. Oh, well, we got to get into our drop of the night first. I almost uh, mm-hmm. skipped over it. I'm going to go with Justin Taffa, which hurts me to say, but it was the best night, the best drop of the night on Parker Report with that left hand. What about you, APB?
1: I have the same one. I have Justin Taffa, and he gets bonus points also for his little dance that he did at the end. I, I love a dance at the end.
0: Love a dance, and he did a good one. And, you know, I like – we're the Rhino gang, and he, he's got his own Toffa gang, which I think is pretty fucking cool. And, uh, yeah, yeah, he's a guy to watch. Yeah, Justin Toffa, big drop of the night. Last night at 284. Okay. So, as I previously said, <laughs> this train keeps on a roll. And the next week we got UFC Vegas 69, and I can't wait for some of the 69 jokes that are going to be taking place as this <laughs> gets closer. It's going to be awesome. So our main card picks at 155, I've got Jim Miller, uh, beating Alex Hernandez by a, by a good UD. I think Alex is going to be really good in the first round, and then Jim's going to win rounds two and three. Jim Miller, UD over Alex Hernandez. What about you? I
1: love me some Jim Miller, so I'm picking him KO in round two.
0: Winning his fighter in the UFC. All right. Let's go ahead and get it to 265. we got Rhino Gang member in Michiganiac, Josh Parisian, going against Jamal Pogues. I've got Josh grinding out a very close UD in that one. What about you?
1: I have Parisian with the TKO in round two.
0: All righty. Moving into 205, we've got William Knight, like the personification of explosive. (laughs) William Knight and Marcin Pracchino. I've got William Knight knocking him clean out with a right hook. KO in the second. Clean KO, William Knight. What about you?
1: I got a clean KO in round one. Yeah, that's for sure what's what's going to happen. Either, yeah, round one or two, like you said. I think that for sure he gets a, a clean KO. And if he doesn't, you know, then oh, well.
0: <laughs> Staying at 205 pounds, we have Jordan Wright versus Zach Pauga. Um, I've got Jordan Wright winning by TKO in the second. I'm going to call this one APB because Jordan Wright has such good kicks. I'm going to say body kick to the liver. Which is going to crumple Zach down. And this is going to be like in the middle of the cage. Going to crumple Zach down. Jordan's going to jump on him and do some ground and pound from back mount. Back mount TKO in the second round after a, a crushing left body kick. Jordan Wright wins. What about you?
1: Well, when I saw these two dudes, I was like, who the hell are these guys? <laughs> <laughs>
0: you don't know the Beverly Hills ninja? Jordan Wright? And then Zach.
1: <laughs> Maybe up. I forgot him. I don't know. Sometimes I look at their names and I'm like, who are these people? And then I see them and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember you. So it could have just been that. But, um, so I picked, what did you say? Pauga? That's his name.
0: Yeah. Zach Pauga.
1: I picked Pauga with the TKO in round three. But I have no idea.
0: <laughs> just, yeah, just like, Okay. Well then now we have what was supposed to be Talia Santos versus the, the rising star, Aaron Blanchfield, Talia Santos is out. And then Jessica Andrade is stepping in on super late notice, even though she just won uh, a couple weeks ago. So we've got Jessica Andrade and Aaron Blanchfield. Um, this is almost a pickup fight. This is so close, but I'm just going to give the badass cred for taking this fight on short notice to Jessica Andrade. She looked great in her last fight, so I'm going to go Jessica Andrage over Aaron Blanchfield by a very close unanimous decision. What about you?
1: Um, I have Jessica with an arm triangle choke in round two.
0: Arm triangle two for APB for Andrage. All right. So those are our main card picks for UFC Vegas 69 next week. Let's go ahead and get our Q&A with some members of the Rhino gang. I know our first question, my homie, the Doc. Doc, what do you got for us this week, dude? Doc says. Doc says. Doc says.
1: <laughs> know your role and shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. <laughs> no, he says, um, after the performance Volk <coughs> had last night, do you see any way that Yair can beat him whenever they fight for the undisputed featherweight title?
0: So the performance with... That Volkanovski put on last night, is there any way that I could see Yair beating him? <sighs> not, not at the moment, dude. Right, like not right now. Like it's so fresh in my mind what Volk was able to do against a bigger, stronger, taller uh, Islam Makhachev. So, like, yes, Yair Rodriguez is a dynamic as fuck record. I always use that word with him because he's the embodiment of dynamic. He is so. Fast. He throws techniques from weird off angles that are really accurate. Um at 145, he's very tall, he's very rangy, he's got all of these things going for him. And I watched him last night and he looked great. He looked better than he's ever looked in his life. He's not Islam Makachev. And Alexander Volkanovsky pushed Islam to the very limit, put on an incredible performance against him. So I think when they do fight, you know, to unify the titles, the interim and the and the regular title, I think is I think. I think that Alexander Volkanovsky beats Yair Rodriguez fairly handily. Of course, anything can happen. Yair is such a fucking good striker that he could catch Volk with something and put him down and put him out or whatever. But I just think kind of like logically speaking and logically looking at it, I don't see Alexander Volkanovsky being able to be beat by any 145-pounder walking this earth right now. So that's my answer on that one, Doc. Great question, my dude. All right, let's get to our second question, which comes from Ryan <clears the throat> from the Holman Sale Holster. What do you got for us this week, dude?
1: Brian says, in a night that was full of surprises, at least from my perspective, Volk doing so well against Islam Yayer stopping Josh early. What's one of the outcomes that you really didn't think was gonna happen but did?
0: I gotta go with dude, it's how quickly Jack Dale and Madalena not only dropped Randy Brown, but then he fucking submitted him in the first round. I talked about it a little bit earlier. I think Randy Brown is a really good fighter. I love his upside. I think he's super talented. We just, he hasn't been able to put it together and sustain it. Jack Delamand, um, he he crushed him with that hook. And then not only did he crush him with that hook, but, like, he had the killer instinct just to fucking throw all those hammer fists. Um, And then as soon as he presented the back, jumped right on his back. And not only, like, got the choking right away, but, like, sunk it in hard and gripped really, really strong. And so there was no way that he was getting out of it. So I was the most surprised by Jack Dell and um, besides the, besides the main event, how that went. Yeah. Oh, his big win over Randy Brown. So JDM is fucking for real. Um, and really look forward to seeing what he has next at 170 pounds, a lot of fun matchups that could be made for him. So yeah. Also that was a great question, my dude. Thank you so much. All right, let's get into our third one which comes from the homie, the raging sweet potato from up in Canada way. RSP, what do you got for us this week, brother?
1: RSP says last night for the main event, the UFC was billing the fight as the number one versus number two pound for pound Australia versus Dagestan. What do you think are the top three pound for pound MMA countries? Keep in mind number of champions produced overall population and consistency of top tier talent And which countries do you think are on the rise for quality of fighters produced?
0: This is a great question, my dude. And I loved, I loved diving into it and uh, kind of sinking my teeth into this one. So if you have to talk about, and I'm talking about the entirety of the whole of MMA as we know it. So the last 30 years, give or take, um, you're looking at the three pillars of MMA as we know it. That's the United States, Brazil, and Japan. These, these three countries have produced and continue to produce very top tier talent, Um, they're absolutely the backbone, the foundation of MMA as we know it, Brazil, United States, Japan. Obviously, Canada was, you know, right on the precipice right after those three. Um, Obviously, GSP was a huge influence on that. Canada kind of came in. But, yeah, if you want to start with the three pillars, it's Brazil, the United States, and Japan for sure. If you want to talk about who's come on the most recently, of course, Russia with Dagestan specifically, So many champions, so many top tier fighters, so many future champions coming out of that region. Incredible. Of course, I got a group, the UK fighters, you know, England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, tons of great talent coming out of that region. Uh, Oceania, of course, Australia, New Zealand, an incredible amount of fighters um, who are very, very top tier, some top tier gyms that are becoming kind of legends uh, as far as like destinations people want to go. You're going to find in Australia and in New Zealand, city kickboxing comes to mind first. So definitely Oceania as well. Then you want to you want to look a little further, dude. Look at Mexico and then look at Nigeria. Look at who's come from these countries in the last maybe five or six years and has really put on some champion, put out some champions. Uh, Brandon Moreno, for example, from Mexico. Izzy is from Nigeria. You know, uh, Kamaru Usman. So these countries as well are bringing in some really top tier talent. You know, a lot of times when you get a champion, there is a trickle down effect. So you you see somebody from your country, you see somebody who's from your area and they are the champion of this thing that's like cool to you right that's something like wow i really want to fucking you know maybe follow in that person's footsteps and then go out you know and try to and try to do that and work really hard for a long time and then that just begets more talent and more um fighters from your area who are interested in the sport who grow from there so yeah there's a lot of really fun really cool scenarios happening all around the world with the global expansion of mma but just to go back to answer your question again Brazil, United States, and Japan are the pillars, the of the foundation. And then I'd say coming on really strong in the last few years, Dagestan, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, Mexico, and Nigeria, dude. So those are my answers on that one. So thank you very much, RSP. All right, let's get into our girl, the Scream Queen Supreme, our girl, Jess. Jess, what do you got for us this week, dear?
1: Well, Jess wants to know, uh, how do you feel about the champ-champ fights? Last night, yes, I was rooting for Bolt to pull it off because he's phenomenal. But then there's the fact that I am over holdups and divisions and interim titles. What's your take?
0: Normally, I'm not a fan because you're absolutely right. It really bogs down divisions and their progress moving forward, dude. Like every now and again, though, it just seems to make sense. When you've got a talent like who's the champion at 145, you're going to tell the level of, uh, Islam at 155. So you got Vulcan and Islam. They're both so good. And they're actually kind of like a good few levels above everybody else in their division. And they've, they've mostly cleaned out their division. It, to me, that one kind of made sense. Um, there have been times and it's not, it's not as often as it's happened, but there are times where I feel like it makes sense. I thought Izzy fighting Jan made sense because Izzy had looked so dominant for so long at, at 185. I thought him moving up to 205, I thought it made sense. <laughs> there there are very few. That's the exception to the rule, right? Last night was the exception to the rule. Uh, again, it, it should be a special occasion and the timing should be just right for there to be a champ-champ situation to go on. Um, yeah, again, I'm not a huge fan of it most of the time, but last night we really... We were treated to an incredible fight, which we never would have had, had it not been for that kind of situation scenario. So, yeah, just to kind of button it up, I'm with you. I'm not normally a fan of it. It has to be the perfect timing. It has to be the perfect level of talent, uh, just one division apart. And then, um, yeah, hopefully we get a situation like last night, but only very sparingly moving forward. So, Jess, thank you so much for the question. We love you so much, my dear. All right, let's get into our first voice question which is a fun one, comes from the Juicy Fruit Bebe from Freddy Sparring Pie Juice. What do you got for us this week, dude? Okay, Rino, So moving into our ninth voice question round. Put yourself in the mindset of, it's Super Bowl Sunday. You've been on a diet for weeks, depriving yourself, doing keto, doing active fast, but now it's Super Bowl Sunday, and it's time to really throw down on some grub. What are you getting, and where are you getting it from? So that was a pretty funny attempt at... Imitating the old Rhino for his <laughs> for his round nine. So yeah, dude. <clears throat> Here's a breakdown for like what would my favorite Super Bowl Sunday spread would be. For appetizers, I'm, I'm I'm a real stand for buffalo chicken dip. I love buffalo chicken dip. So buffalo chicken dip with tortilla chips is like my favorite appetizer. Moving into some veggie tray, you know, you got to keep your roughage. You got to get your vitamins and your minerals. So I like a good veggie tray with some carrots, some celery, some cucumber, maybe a couple block, block, I couldn't even say it. (laughs) A few broccoli florets with some nice ranch dip, bro. Then you want to move into your main, the main event, the main dish. It's got to be pizza, broski. Pizza and football just go together so well. My favorite is Detroit style, obviously, which for those of you who don't know, it's between a normal pan pizza and deep dish. Detroit style with sausage, onion, red pepper, and red pepper seeds too. Wash it down with some ice cold iced tea with lemon, a little bit of sweet, maybe some triple X vitamin water and or Sprite Zero, baby. Those are my drinks of choice. So, yes, Buffalo chicken dip, veggie tray, um, pizza, and then those three drinks that I just mentioned. That would be my spread for sure. Great question, Juice. We really appreciate you, my dude. All right. That's going to conclude our forum for this week. Let's go ahead and get into our 10 rounds of Rhino with 6-0 Sbg Ireland product, Bellator 145-er, Kieran Clark. Dude, take it away after a quick word from our sponsor, KR Designs. Hey, Rhino gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? We'll look no further than my good friends at k Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page. K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check, they accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out KR Designs, Combat Sports with Rhinos, proud sponsor. Oh, Fight Fam, we got ourselves a fantastic guest going 10 rounds of Rhino today. 6 0. Oh, Bellator Featherweight, Kieran Clark is here. Kieran, thank you so much for joining us today,
2: sir. Thanks very much for having me on. Appreciate
0: it. Oh, dude, we are super stoked. So basically, buddy, the way the way that we start these interviews is I always love to hear the origin of the story. What's the background story that how you first got involved in this crazy wacky world of MMA, dude?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, you can say that. Um, yeah, so I suppose <laughs> um, not not <clears throat> not too um, you know out there or anything. The story it's kind of the the, the traditional story, especially back in Ireland. Here, yeah, you know, everyone growing up kind of um, back here in Ireland to be kind of dabbed in the. Different martial arts and stuff, and um, myself and my brother were always interested in in, in, in them growing up and stuff, and and um, yeah, we just went from there. Really, one or two friends in school at the time. We're training and um, I dabbed in a bit of boxing and, 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 you know, again, always had an interest in martial arts. And, you know, it it always uh, interested me to defend myself and always in certain situations, always, you know, concerned me from a young age. So um, from there, then the the love of that and the interest in that uh, brought me to my first mixed martial arts gym uh, 12 years ago nearly now. So and uh, yeah, again, never, never thought it'd be, you know, when I first walked in the doors, that I'd be competing professionally or anything, but, um, went from there. I had my first fight within a year later and, 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 uh, yeah, I suppose it just went, went, uh, went from there.
0: Then, Dude, that's, that's incredible, buddy. Like as we're recording this, um, we're only about three weeks away from your next fight at Bellator 291, which is taking place in your home country of Ireland. Every, Every part of every part of every new camp, we learn something different. We gain something different as part of the arsenal. We're leveling up somewhere of our game. Was there anywhere during this camp you really wanted to focus on, or was it just kind of a typical camp where you wanted just kind of all the way around up your entire game?
2: Yeah, like always, uh, you know, you're you're trying to up a game everywhere. But for me, this time it was more, um, you know, especially in the in the, the striking department and and and. Uh, and things like that. So I just want to make the, you know, I suppose the entries to the takedowns, and I want to get more comfortable uh, within there with that. And uh, you know, learning that I don't always have to be first, and being first, you know, th- they're expecting that. And obviously, it's working for me. But you know, sometimes i have taking a few shots in, in, in the meantime, and and uh, fell onto some. But I mean, now it's like you know, I don't have to be first because the threat the takedowns there, and I do have me striking there, and I want to really show that. Uh, you know that I have that and show more to my game um, because again, as I said, it just opens up more opportunities for uh, the takedown. Or, or um, as well as that, um, you know, if I'm not if I'm catching him on the feet, he's thinking about the strike and takedown will come for itself. Or if he's thinking about the strike, or the takedown, the striking will open itself up. And it, obviously that's self-expansive, but you know, it's uh, there's levels to it, like you said. And, and uh, I'm just trying to level up each time and and uh, make each fight smoother. You know.
0: One hundred percent, dude. Now your opponent that night is, uh, and I hope I'm saying his name right, Keir Harvey out of Scotland. Uh, what if anything do you know about him, or do you kind of leave that to your coaches to kind of do the scouting and the you know and the assessments before you get in there?
2: Yeah, well, I actually kind of knew a bit about uh, Keir Harvey uh, before because he, you know, UK and Ireland scene, they're kind of nearly joint in that sense that you know they, we we all kind of take the same roads. Same promotions, whether it be Cage Ryers, Bellator, you know, uh, Barma back in the day, and uh, and things like that. So, I knew sooner or later, I'd be bumping into each other some somehow, uh, you know, obviously being the same weight class and stuff. So, um, what I could look up on him, it's actually the most footage of watching an opponent. Uh, believe it or not, it's the most I could find, and one like I said, um, you know, it's not some guy from Brazil or Russia or something that's very hard to find that you don't know much about. He's he's a guy in the UK and uh, Ireland, so you know you can you're able to find uh, all the footage. And again, as I said, I knew a little bit about him, so you know he's fought like the Cage Warriors, you know, uh, top European promotion and and EFC, which is uh, recognized world title and stuff. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a good lad and uh, fought a few kind of um, recognised guys. And, and I, I, know, I know I know is enough about his style now where I feel like can, I can win the fight and what I have to watch out for. But to be honest, I just focus on myself. And the way I look at it is he's reacting to me. And I just have to be aware of what he's good at and what to watch out for, of course. But that's the way I approach every fight. They're reacting to me because I find when you're waiting for something to happen, you're waiting for this certain punch or kick or takedown, you know, you're you're anticipating that and you're not thinking about your own game. So I just focus on myself and let let everything else take care of itself, you know?
0: Yeah, 100%, dude. Now, I'm from the boxing world, you know. I was a professional boxer for a very long time and it's very commonplace for professional boxers to have a really long amateur career. Some guys even start as young as, you know, seven, eight, nine years old and they go through the Amies all the way through. You don't see that very much in, in pro MMA, particularly, um, you know, the young fighters we see today, you know, typically you're looking at five to 10 amateur fights. You yourself had a very extensive amateur career, well over 20 fights. Um, I, I've got to believe that that's been a big catalyst as the, as far as how well you've done to start out your pro career. Do you kind of feel that way too? Like, look, I've already had this really long and extensive amateur career going on. I believe it was 2012 was your first Amy fight, you know what I mean? So you had a very long Amy career. So do you think there's got to be a big part of what's been part of your early success in the pros?
2: Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. I solely put it down to that and obviously other things. And I but it's a massive part of it and I wanted you know I really wanted to be well experienced and 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 uh, you know that was that was just my mindset amateur and obviously then when I started to get the, you know closer to the 20 fight mark and stuff it was obviously about uh you know um competing internationally and stuff and you know fighting the fighting the top guys all over the world and you know trying to um, represent my country to the best and win when you know whether it be European uh, medals and, and, and world medals and stuff and and you uh, that was my goal an amateur, and, and uh, I was able to rack up that many fights, but it was definitely the mindset, it's like, you know, if you were to look at my record the amateur, and look at my prof- professional career now, it's like, you know, someone that wouldn't be, um, you know, if they were to look at that on paper, they, it, it's night and day, but if you really looked really deep into the amateur fights, I was fighting the best guys from, you know, I fought the Brazilian, fought the Russian, fought the boxer, the wrestler, the submission guy, the knockout guy, the brawler, you know, I've done I've fought every type of different body type, all the different characters in their hometown. Um, you know, fought multiple days in a row, you know, made weight, you know, as you said, over twenty times, well over twenty times and all of these things, you know, even like going to the IMAF tournaments internationally and stuff, you know, sharing the hotel with your, with your with your sharing dressing rooms with your opponent, you know, getting weighed in beside each other and it it's kinda normalizes it and, you know, really uh you know get you ready for the pro ranks and 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 uh i have a kind of calmness about me you know knowing that i have all that experience behind me you know and i think it's shown in my pro fights as of late you know
0: well i think 100 percent it's so it is of late and, and again you use the word normalize and i think the most perfect way to describe what it is for that experience level you cannot get that feeling of normalization or of calm or of um, having yourself ready if you don't have real experience under your belt. And that amateur status, that's that's where it's fine to lose. It don't matter. You know what I mean? That doesn't, doesn't stick with you on your record moving forward. It doesn't affect anything. It's it's a really good you, – you're right. You fought top tier. Not just any amateur fights. You fought top tier amateur fights. So, yeah, I think that was a really smart decision, not only from you, but from your team to go ahead and do that. So, dude, you fight out of SPG Ireland, Straight Blast Gym. It's one of the most well-known gyms in the world, but especially in Europe. Um, you've been there for a long time. Obviously, you know, you know Kieran, you've seen the progression of Irish MMA in particular, because you've been there, um, you know, at 27 years old, you've, been, you've seen it for a long time. What would you say has been the biggest difference um, in like the amount of people that are joining the gym, but also the entirety of the MMA scene in Ireland?
2: Yeah. Well, like you said there, I'm, I'm training since 2011. So, you know, I've seen uh, the pre, uh, you know, we call it the McGregor era of, uh, you know, you know, I would have kind of um, known McGregor actually because before I joined Sbg I trained in a gym locally here I, I I I make the trip to Dublin I I don't live in the city of Dublin I live about an hour outside um, so I, before before I moved we we made the change to Dublin seven eight years ago now um, my coach at the time Conor Dillon actually had fought Conor and I knew knew about him and you know he was he was obviously there was a big uh, that was a big. Uh, you know hype about him and stuff like that but uh you know t- before that then like you know there would have been uh you know not not much not much heard about him but i kind of knew a bit about him and the hype and stuff and then when he won the cage Warriors one top world title and went to the ufc and stuff it just blew up literally you know and uh, it's for that time 2015 onwards and you know even before it became the biggest sport in ireland and it was such a it was such a, uh, you know, I think it really took the, the nation, you know, because I always remember, obviously, I wasn't born in Italia 90 when Ireland was in the World Cup and uh, we done so well that year. and. And uh, obviously the likes of my parents and stuff would have been telling me and like the whole country was, you know, there was a buzz about the place and that was really how uh, Connor affected the whole country. And then, uh, you know, then obviously, you know, I had all the likes of young young guys getting into the gym and obviously then you had a lot of people that weren't a heart, you know, they were kind of just getting into it just, you know, because McGregor was in it and, and stuff sure. like that. But uh, now we really took the took the nation, and I think it's shown now at the amateur uh, world championships and internationally, look like, at how well we're doing for such a small nation. And, uh, yeah, like, it's it's just growing strength strength from strength, really, you know.
0: Absolutely, dude. It is, you know, you, one can assume that looking from the outside in, but you really need somebody who's kind of been on the ground floor to see it all kind of happen. Because you're right, you're talking about 2011. That's pretty that whole mcgregor era and so you were there from the very beginning and you uh were able to kind of see where it is right now as well because people got to remember yeah you've been around a long time dude but you're only 27 years old you know what i'm saying you got a long way to go in the in, in the fight world and so you're you're in a unique perspective right to have on yeah. that uh, <laughs> subject matter for sure so dude away from the gym away from fighting, away from all the training, when it's time to just chill out, relax, get your head on straight, just put your mind away from all the fight world. What are some things that you like to do to kind of chill and relax just away from the whole fight thing?
2: Yeah, well, it's to relax and to chill out just, you know, cuz I think when you're training, you know, two, three times a day, it's it's it concerns you a lot and you know, it takes all of your thoughts a lot, obviously, and especially with the fight coming up, it's it's hard to switch off. But for me, I like I uh, have two dogs, so I always get them out every day, and I love I love like yeah, uh, going going to, going to uh, you know somewhere quiet and just out to the fields, or you know just just be be out there, switch off the phone, don't be looking at much, and just kind of be at, uh, with my own thoughts and stuff, and and uh, you know. I I be be a simple guy, you know. I'm 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 very uh, you know, very regimental. But as well as that, like you know, really I uh, I'm kind be kind of more of an introvert. Like me on time, and then uh, you know I you know whether it be playing the PlayStation or just just completely switching off, you know. And then again, my fights are coming up. Um, you know, it's it's uh outside of that, it's hard to switch out because you're kind of kind of you're kind of going home and watching fights and 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 you're trying <coughs> to get, learn and and things like that but yeah it's to switch off i just like to you know go off go for the walks and all right uh, even you know i even like going for long runs and stuff just to like you know uh be, be, be with me thoughts and just kind of let me mind go and see where it takes me you know i don't want to be thinking about one certain thing and stuff so um th- things like that that make, help, help me relax and and uh, as well it helps you stay focused because it can get a lot as well sometimes and then you know, you want to keep the love of it and, and, and then obviously as well, stay focused. So it kind of goes hand in hand for me. And I I think it's a big, big part for anyone, you know?
0: Absolutely. My dude. Now this next question, Kieran is a, is a question that uh, some fighters know right away what they're going to say. And other ones, they really, it's a real struggle to answer this question. So we're going to see which, which category you fall into. All right. If fighting, if fighting was only amateur, like there was fighting, there was MMA, there was every sort of, of of combat sport, but you couldn't make money doing it. What do you think you would be doing as a career to actually supplement income while you were doing your fighting on the side for free?
2: Well, it's funny you say that because um, to be honest, uh, to answer that question, um, if fighting was just amateur, I'll be 100% honest. If 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 i could go the olympic if if the olympics was a thing and i could take that route and, and and you know it was a possible route to uh take and you know i would have stayed amateur that's been 100% honest i would have stayed amateur i would have i was i just loved going away fighting internationally the whole vo- the whole you know the vibe of representing your country and and fighting different nations each day and and i i just loved it you know i i, I, re- I and i if i could stay amateur financially I would say amateur, you know, but, yeah. you know, if, 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 uh, you know, because for me, like the whole rigmarole of the professional, you know, it's, it's not that it's hard, but it's, it's, I don't know. I think it's, you see a different side to the people and I don't like it. You know, the way I think, I think there's a lot of fakeness involved. And that's one thing I me. you won't, you won't see like me try, trying to be anyone else. And, and look, I get that it's to, you know, promote yourself and get, get get in get yourself out there in different fights and stuff but for me it's just not my style so that's where the amateur for me you know you di- sometimes you even have walk uh, walkout tunes you know and uh, you know even though it's funny because like, that's what kind of would have intrigued you to get into it you know the whole show of it. and you know even the WWE days thinking you know that, that whole kind of show and stuff but now sure. you think back you know it's like I would have I would have st- liked to stay an amateur but as far as a career you know I'm not sure like it's it's hard to say but something maybe to do it you know maybe get into um I don't know there's there's a lot of study involved but you know maybe get into something like PE teaching or something and again it's something I'm I'm passionate about because I feel I'd like to be a a positive example for like you know kids growing up and students and stuff where I think it's early intervention where it's important you know it's not like when they've already one foot in a trouble or you know they're becoming the the man or woman are going to be already you know so for me it's a I'd probably get into something like that, something to do doing with you know a PE teacher or something like that that I can train and it's not hard in the body and still compete amateur amateur and uh, you know something something around the lines. That's what I th- I think I'd like to do, you know. Uh, it
0: makes perfect sense to me, dude. Like I work I work in special education, so I absolutely do uh, uh, I work you- in education as well. Yeah, and, and that's yeah I think education working in education while it's very difficult and you're not in it for the money, there's a lot of really fantastic. Uh, aspects to it. So yeah, I would totally co-sign on you uh, going into that maybe sometime down the road after the fight career is over. But uh, yeah, dude, so now this is a fun question that everybody loves. I love and love to hear it. Now you're going to have a different flair and flavor being as, as right. locale in the world, but let's say the fight is already over. You've already been fasting and taking away some of the things <laughs> you love to eat, but now you're out with your friends, your family, everybody's ready to throw down on some good grub. Kieran, Tell me what you're going to eat and
2: tell me where you're going to get it from. Oh, this is my favorite question. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, for me, it's uh, I just, to be honest, I can't, you can't be uh, a good burger and fries, to be honest. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, you know, a lot of people love, you know, steak and stuff and, and stuff like that. But I have to it'd have to be a good uh, burger and fries place. And uh, you know, I always, I always top it off. I kind of have a bit of a ritual or a routine after my fights. I always go to uh, Krispy K- Krispy Kreme donuts, and uh, oh, nice! Get, I always <laughs> indulge there. Then you know, so that's uh, that's kind of my routine after the fight, and i uh, th- that that that's sometimes a motivation as well. Thinking right, three weeks, you know, you can indulge. So, um, yeah, no, that's that's definitely that's definitely uh, one of my favorite questions. I have to say. <laughs> uh- <laughs>
0: excellent dude so now we've careened our way into the 10th round which is the easiest round of them all my dude just share your social medias with us so the people in the rhino gang can follow along keep tabs on your career moving forward and i'll kind of be on uh be on your team as far as this uh this this train keeps on and rolling through your pro career so just just share your social medias with us dude
2: yeah so anyone wants to catch me yeah, uh, on instagram or uh twitter um, it's just Kieran Clark, all lowercase ninety-five, and uh you yeah, can keep up to date with everything there and uh, be a lot more active on the Instagram than the Twitter now. But um yeah, anyone that wants to give me a follow and and uh, hope, hopefully um follow follow the journey from here on it'd be great man.
0: Oh, dude, 100%. Now, fam, I know that when I have people on here, particularly uh, young fighters, kind of young in their career, I usually kind of say what I think is special about them, which is why I contacted uh, Kieran and I wanted him on. That. It, it, and that, and I'm sure it comes from what we talked about—that amateur experience. But there is a there is a balance with this young man. There is a you can really see because people love to say, "Oh, I'm good everywhere. I want to be good everywhere." Kieran is really good everywhere. <laughs> He's a completely <laughs> balanced multifaceted fighter, and it is really fun to watch because if he takes you down or you take him down or it's stand-up or kickboxing or Muay Thai clinch or against the cage, the dude is fucking on point. So, fam, I'm telling you, let's all give him a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, keep, Dude, let's all keep a lookout for you for Bellator 291 in just about three weeks from right now. Kieran, again, we thank you so much for joining us. We know how crazy it is uh, in fight camp, so we really appreciate you taking the time to go 10 rounds of round today, my dude.
2: Thanks a million. I really appreciate it. Having me on and, uh, yeah. Hope to be on again soon. Please God. Thank you. Absolutely. Dude. We'll definitely
0: bring you on back down the road.
2: Thanks, man. This is Kieran Clark and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino.
0: Kieran, thank you so much, my dude. That was fucking awesome. You were a great interview. We really look forward uh, to your next fight coming up in a few weeks. My guy, appreciate you. So we want to give a shout out to to our forum contributors to the doc, to Holster. To the RSP, the Rage Sweet Potato. To Jess, the Scream Queen Supreme. To the Juicy Fruit Bebe from Freddy's Sparring Pod. To APB, the co-hostess. with the mo-hostess? Thank you so much once again this week. To Fabian, the Man of Mayhem. To Ms. Fight Diva, Filthy Casual. Jamal from Combat Corner. I'm not doing his long name anymore. We know him as Cyrus King. He's my brother and I love him. To Brat, to Tempting Tory to Kairos, to Sanga, to ladies of the PRG, my underdog MMA peeps, Jillian, Chrissy, Monica, Katie, and Jason, to Tom and Sandy, Deja, Jessica from What's Up Weirdo Pod, all my fam in the Rhino Gang GC, gang, 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 to our girl, the feature play, Andrea, to D-Rain's the best engineer in the biz, to our homie, J-MMA, at j 4 on Twitter, and check out his YouTube, at j He's our new graphic designer. He is awesome. If you dig... You know, his graphic design, check him out on Twitter. Or if you're into um, the UFC uh, video games or fight night video games, he does a great YouTube channel about that. So at JMMA4 on Twitter and JMMA on YouTube for our guy. Jay, we appreciate you, my dude. Fantastic poster of Kieran Clark this week. Oh, man, it's awesome. Get ready to guys check that out. So as we all know, it's Super Bowl Sunday. I hope everybody who likes football enjoys it. If You know, don't like football. I hope you enjoy the commercials. I hope they're good this year. They haven't been they haven't been as great the last few years that I've watched, uh, as far as I can tell. But I hope everybody has a good Super Bowl Sunday, relaxing time. As we love to say around here, love is greater than hate. And we will see you next week, Cades. Uh-